Hello, you animals. This is Better Fight Cast. I am your host, as always, Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA, and this is your co-host Sean Newbauer at MMA Insomniac. And we're just going to begin with what a crazy weekend for combat sports. A weekend we were told the cards weren't all that great ended up being a fantastic weekend for anybody that loves anything and everything that has to do with combat sports. So, Sean Neubauer, what was your thoughts? Well, if you wanted something of everything for fight cards that weren't heavily hyped and fight cards that didn't have a lot of juice going into them, they sure did deliver all of them. UFC, Bellator, many fans. I didn't watch the boxing match, but many fans were into the. Uh, I saw the very, very good fight. Yeah, very good. A lot boxing of people match. were into that. It was Madison just I forgot Garden. to set my DVR recording for that one. Mm-hmm. Had Bellator recorded, had the UFC prelims recorded, and just forgot to set my recording. But I'm not the biggest of a box. Bo- I don't Where was it. Bellator held this weekend? Do you know? Was that in California? Yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, I anyway, I watched events from Rio. I watched. A boxing contest in Madison Square Garden. I watched. Oh, that was MSG. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I watched One FC in Indonesia, and there's a lot to talk about. But first things first, let's jump into let's let's go over to Brazil. Let's let's start in Rio. Let's start with UFC 224. What a card! What a great card. Um, still that stigma though. It's really such a weird spot we're in. As we always, uh, you could listen to our podcast as we said it last week. I was saying it from weeks before. I wasn't completely invested into the main event between Amanda Nunez and Raquel Pennington. But I always thought the card was good fights from top to bottom. It's just that stigma of paying, you know, forking over $65 for it. I think that's really the only problem. Now, this was a card that if it was free, or if you only had to pay $5 for it to watch it on ESPN+, Plus, you don't bat an eye. I think the only problem is that $65 price tag. Well, Do you agree? Yeah, but, I mean, not every fight, is, as long as they run monthly pay-per-views, not every fight is going to be. But, in, in the fence, where people are talking about, oh, what about, they want money fights, they want stars, well, here is why the UFC does money fights and tries to get stars and people that don't this was a champion fighting against the number one contender the number two ranked i think she was number two ranked right at uh women's bantamweight she it's was a division, next in line it's a division that doesn't have a lot of stars right now their stars retired or moved up holly holm is fighting at 145 a division it does not have yeah misha tate retired rousey retired like what do you guys want they they put the title on it was a it was a true title fight but it goes womp womp at the box office. So it's like for everybody that complains about that, I'm just going to say to you, like, well, here's an example of them putting on the right fight. Mm-hmm. And in Brazil for Nunez. Okay. And we'll start right there. Let's get right into the Amanda Nunez versus Raquel Pennington fight. First of all, what a great performance by Amanda Nunez. Yes. She was the champ. She came in, looked like the champ, acted like the champ, and came out still the champ. She dominantly beat Raquel Pennington and put on one of the best performances I've seen her to date. She broke Raquel Pennington. Literally, by the fourth round, Raquel Pennington wanted to quit and asked her corner for a way out of this fight. And she said she did not want to be anymore. Now, 
We're going to start right there with the corner controversy because that seems to be the number one topic in MMA media right now. That's all everybody's talking about. It's the number one thing I hear, and honestly, it's getting me a little upset. UFC 224 on Saturday night I thought was a fantastic card from top to bottom. I loved it from the first fight to the very last fight. So many great highlights, so many great points, so many things to be discussed. So many great performances. But the only thing we're talking about today, or at least yesterday on Monday, you know, on the Monday morning coffee is is that Raquel Pennington asked for a way out of this fight and her corner talked her into staying in and everybody is berating that corner for having her, you know, not throwing in the towel and, and calling off the fight. Now, I just want to know, I've heard a lot of stances. What's your stance on this proposition? My stance is that the, the way the narrative seems to play right now, to me, is everybody that doesn't fight has a problem with it. But everybody that does fight is okay with it. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much media versus fighters right now. And my stance on it personally is the way I look at it through my eyes is there's been plenty of times where fighters wanted to quit. Coaches do have to look out for fighters for their own health mm-hmm. and for their own benefit because fighters don't know when to quit sometimes. I'm not so quick to say this is a time where, you know, that should have happened. She didn't have anything broken on her yet, as I know of. I know I think her nose got broken in the fifth her round. Her nose did not get broken. She had to get three stitches at the top of her nose. Okay, so... The only thing that might be really hurt is her leg. Okay. As Amanda Nunez put a... Well, if, if that was the case, they should that her then they, they, her corner should have thrown in the towel after two minutes into the first round because mm-hmm. she chopped that leg right away. So <clears throat> my stance is I, I'm agree with the fighters because I look at it for a girl like Raquel Pennington. She was down on the scorecards four rounds to none at that mm-hmm. point. But you know, one of the main reasons she got the title fight, she did have a victory over Misha Tate, but because there's nobody else in line right now, and when is she ever going to get a shot like this again? That was my big point. This was a championship fight. Yeah. This wasn't some undercard fight past prelim fight. This wasn't even a free TV main event. This was a championship fight. You have elite fighters in other weight classes right now that mm-hmm. are chomping at the bit to be put in that position, and they can't get there due to what division they're in. Yep. Especially if you're at 155 pounds right now. It's craziness. But this was a championship fight. Um, Raquel Pennington came out and said she was okay with it and actually is more happy with her corner that they pushed her to go back out there. I heard Eddie Alvarez's point of view where Eddie Alvarez said in the Gilbert Melendez fight after the first round he was in the same exact position. He had a broken nose and an orbital bone that was broken and as history writes itself if it wasn't for his corner he said that pushed him to go back out there we would have never seen Eddie Alvarez become the world champion at 155 pounds. Yeah. So, to the credit, I'm listening to the fighters. I think there was way too much controversy put on that poor corners of on that poor corner of Raquel Pennington. Like we're narrowing in on this one topic. This one topic that I mean, you guys should know as media, especially. This is a violent sport. This is not for everybody. You know, uh, I get it. It was courageous for her to ask for a way out, but she looked her corner in her eyes, and he said, you need to get back out there. We'll deal with it later. It got her to turn around and come out in that fifth round. Now, she's a 29-year-old woman, as 
Raquel Pennington, Pennington said this herself, she could have easily, easily waved the fight off herself if there was something seriously wrong. But she went out there, subsequently lost you know, the championship fight, and on Monday morning she said she is just fine. So I think everybody, you know, the only thing I don't like it is the media narrative that they've came down so hard on this corner. But what if she would have came out and won? Like Eddie Alvarez. So, you know, you, the narrative of this is why isn't the media saying that, what was the undercard fight where the guy had the broken ribs? Jack Hermanson, that's the Jack Hermanson had up. broken ribs. If anybody should have thrown in the towel, it should have been his corner at that point, but they didn't. And guess what? He came out and won and nobody's even talking about yeah. that. It's all, oh, what a comeback. I believe if you're not a fighter or a coach, I feel like you shouldn't even be talking about this subject because you don't know. Yeah. I mean, Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour, from what I heard of his narrative, believes that it's because fighters get a win money and then they get show money. And he thinks if they got the flat fee, it would be more acceptable to quit. That, that's what I heard. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. He said if fighters got paid more, it would be more acceptable to quit. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, I, I didn't understand it at all. Um, I think the right thing was done. Raquel Pennington could have went out that way, but she didn't. She went in. She will fight another day. This this just needs to be stopped, and I don't want to spend too much attention on this. No, and my, my only thing is, like, look how many fighters that have gained fans from being, like, a warrior like that. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a point to where something's really broken or something is— Remember Jamie Varner? A guy that was essentially hated yep. by the MMA kids. Something just rubbed you the wrong way about him. Yeah. And then he had that fight where he literally was fighting on, what, one leg? Yep. And everybody loved him. Same with uh, Sean O'Malley recently. Yeah. Everybody thought it didn't end up being broken, but everybody thought his foot or leg was done. Yeah, but he heard it enough where he had to get surgery. Yeah, he heard enough to get surgery. He's on the shelf till like, November. He couldn't even stand up for the post-fight interview. Mm Mm-hmm. But nobody's saying, oh, his corner should have stopped it. It's mm-hmm. only reason, the only reason they're saying that is because she went back out there and she got stopped. Yeah, I really, really hate this narrative right now. Because there were so many great things over the weekend of combat sports. And what I want to focus on right now is let's just stop talking about this corner. Should have they stopped it or should that, you know, whatever. The fight went on, the fight finished. Yes, this is a violent sport at times. We have to accept that. You, you have to, media, you have to accept that. But what about Amanda Nunez? I mean, my goodness, this girl is getting overlooked again. Nobody's talking about her. She's the one that made her quit in the fourth round. She's the one that came out there and put on this awesome performance on Saturday night. And yet Raquel Pennington is on all the talk shows. Raquel Pennington is doing the media rounds on ESPN. Raquel Pennington's corner is the one talked about on Monday morning. It's crazy to me. Shouldn't it be Amanda Nunez? Should be. You want to talk about the most, you know, the same media that got on Amanda Nunez or the UFC for the Ronda Rousey promotion, where I then thought, man, Amanda Nunez is getting disrespected. I mean, she wasn't even in the video package. Nobody even knew who she was going into the fight. They just knew Rousey was fighting somebody. And they came out of it like, oh, that one girl that beat Rousey. That Still, she didn't get the name recognition I thought she should have received after that fight. Okay, and then you move it on to this fight where she just put on one of the greatest performances in her career over Raquel Pennington, and now the media is not even talking about her incredible performance. They're talking about whether or not the corner should have thrown in the towel in the fourth round and, and showing sympathy towards Raquel Pennington. It just goes to show you how hypocritical people are, and they're just they're just at the end of the day when you really read everything they say and what they do, it's just all hypocritical. 
Yeah. You know? But my question is, like, so now that she beat the number two contender, you're talking about Amanda Nunez, who's beaten. The only fight I'd want to see her at 135 right now is someone that's fighting at 145, and that's Holly Holm. That's my biggest question mark. Like, I would have loved to see her. Her and Holly, Holly Holm has never fought before, right? No. No, that, w- that was always a fight I was just, but Holly Holm seems content because she's got a fight with Megan I mean, Anderson there's a, coming uh, up. No, the potential of that matchup was good. Um, Katzengano was the last person to beat Nunez. Oh, yeah, but she, she just keeps losing. Who did she lose to? Katzengano? Oh, I forget. Do you remember? Uh, was it Keatlin Vieira? Could have been that good. She's probably next. I think yeah. Ketlin Vera is next. But even then, like, I'm not chomping at the bit to see it. To me, right now, if we say what's next for Man Nunez, right now it's time to get that cyborg fight going. Is it cyborg or bust? Is that I what you're saying? Right now. There's no clear cut challenger at 135 pound women. There just isn't. There's nobody. I can't even think of it. I, I think there is somebody that's like creeping up right now. It's Ketlin Vera. Yeah, that division just isn't. It's just not going strong right now. They lost all their big... Like I said at the beginning, they lost all their big stars. So, in theory, Raquel Pennington was the next girl to get the 135-pound title shot. But I don't even know who... I mean, I guess Caitlin Vieira is it. But, you know, it's got to be Cyborg. I mean, I'd be the okay fight I with see. the Caitlin Vieira fight. It's the same as Raquel Pennington. Same interest level. That's what I think. I love it. I mean, it, it is. It's the purity of the sport. If you wanted Nunez to really... And for some reason, she's just not getting the love. I don't know. I mean, we, we elaborated last week. We thought it was because she, you know, stepped out on that one fight with, you know, the the, the nose problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. She now has Rousey, Tate, and she also has Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. And that's a good name because I have a feeling she's going to be the next 125-pound women's champ. Mm-hmm. If she gets cyborg, man, ooh, people can't deny her then. Well, I almost feel as if Nunez versus Cyborg is a legacy fight. They're kind of battling to see who is the greatest women's mixed martial artist. It's the best of women's all time. fight. Like it's the biggest women's fight you could do right now, and you got to get it. And they, I hope they promote it. And I, I, I re- I'm very, especially after her performance this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Cyborg's been dominant as forever. Like. This girl's on another level, too, man. The only thing that, that stands in the way is I never saw her fight Holly Holmes, so I don't know how that goes down. We all know Holly Holmes giving Cyborg her best test to date. Mm-hmm. But Amanda Nunez has got that speed, and her striking is just out of this world. I'd have to see them next to each other, too, because the only problem with the Cyborg factor is she's just bigger than everybody. She's so much bigger she than is. everybody. She's the, I think she's the only 145-pound girl that actually cuts weight. But Amanda Nunez versus Cyborg is the best potential matchup I see also and yep. hopefully that's the next fight for them that, that's that's the fight that gets me excited it's, it's the fight that makes me want to pay money yeah because I can tell they're kind of doing a Megan Anderson and Holly Holm number one contender but mm-hmm. i take Nunez versus Cyborg over Holm versus mm-hmm. Cyborg too right I know that's a that was a draw but you know because I'm also I'm, I am you know and, and it's coming up soon before all this before they even book a Nunez versus Cyborg potential matchup I feel like Megan Anderson versus Cyborg is one I'm very interested in, and and that's because of the fact of the size. Megan Anderson is a true 145 yeah, pound woman. Yeah, she's got to get through Holly with Holm. great skill. She's got to be able to get through Holly Holm. Yeah, I agree. Um, there is still, like I said, everything's not clear cut. Right I do now. like the fact that she's coming in and not fighting Cyborg right away. I'm getting tired of seeing these girls debuting with the UFC and fighting Cyborg. Like, 
I'm glad like the winner they're they're they're, they're setting up some kind of division there, and they just had casting calls for the Ultimate Fighter. So finally, if they're gonna have that division, you got to set up a division. That, yeah, that's I'm been glad, my complaint I'm glad to see. I'm glad now. to see the first 145 pound fight without Cyborg in it. Yeah. No, second. I'm sorry, I forgot the inaugural. Uh, yeah. Jermaine Deronami, Holly Holm, but you know what I mean. That a fight that actually. You know, at 145 pounds, that doesn't involve cyborg. I'm glad to see that starting to roll around. But moving on from that, let's talk about the co-main event. What was fight of the night? I mean, it was the people's main event going into this Rio card at UFC mm -hmm. 224. You know, Kelvin Gaslam, only 26 years old, gets the decision victory over Jacare. Now, he's calling for it. Does Kelvin Gaslam get the winner? of Bobby Knuckles and Yo Romero at UFC 225. What's your opinion? He could, but there's some things that gotta play out. We gotta see how Whitaker Romero goes. The only good thing he has on his side is he hasn't fought either. He's never fought Whitaker nor Romero. Mm -hmm. So he's got that on his side. But we gotta see how they fight, what comes of it, you know. I would say if Romero wins that fight, he's got a better shot at getting a title shot. Now, this is why I think if Whitaker wins, he might not be so clear-cut. And this is the only reason why I say this. It's weird because middleweight's gotten weird quick. With Rockhold going up to light heavyweight, mm -hmm. that throws a monkey well, wrench into that everything. We, that we think. We, we don't think, know that for but, sure yet. I mean, Dana was on that show saying they're t it's going to happen. They, they just don't know when. also said Nate Diaz is fighting GSP. So I never I, believed I that know. for one second. But I believe the Rockhold going up to light heavyweight. I actually do believe that. Okay. Because um, he, he even said, he's like, yeah, they're, they're going to fight each other. Him and Gustafsson, we're just, we just, they, it might be on that UFC 227 or it might not. Mm -hmm. There's still Chris Weidman out there. Chris Weidman did beat Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. So I look at it as if Romero wins, I think Kelvin gets an easier shot because they haven't fought yet. Because like Weidman would be less interested. It'd be a little bit less because Romero did finish him. Mm -hmm. But if Whitaker wins, you know... Sometimes it comes down to box office. Who's more box office, Gaslam or Weidman? Weidman would be a little more box office. So, gotta see how it plays out. The, the thing I would love to see, I would love to see Whitaker and Gaslam because they both got good striking and hands, and they're both young and both former welterweights and former welterweights. Their body types are the same. So that that'd be my favorite fight. But you know, I think it's all circumstantial. We got to see this because the title fight happened so soon. It's like a blessing, but it could also be a curse. Because, say if, you know, Yoro Romero does win, but he breaks his leg or something in the fight, it's so hard to tell, you know? Well, also, if Yoro Romero wins, could there be the trilogy? If could it's a close the fight. There, That's right? why I'm saying, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's you got to see that fight play out and happen mm -hmm. first. But right now, let's, let's just take that fight. Let's just say there is a clear-cut winner, mm -hmm. okay? It doesn't matter which side. So you're saying you don't still see Kelvin Gastelum as the number one contender right now in middleweight with that win over Jacare? Only because Weidman's still out there. I know he's hurt right now, but when he comes back, Weidman did beat Kelvin Gastelum. My personal opinion I was going to throw in, the only other name I can possibly think of is the one you just mentioned, Chris Weidman, who could jump the line and get the title shot, but that's not what I want to see. I, I personally think Kelvin Gastelum on Saturday night punched his ticket to a title shot. And I only say that because of activity. I love Chris Weidman as much as the next guy, but that was his last win was Kelvin Gastelum. And that's been quite some time now. And Kelvin Gastelum has bounced back from that loss. And remember, he almost knocked out Weidman in the first round of that fight. He was 
seconds away of winning. I know ultimately he got choked so out. Got it doesn't matter. But he bounced back, beat the most recent champion, Michael Bisping, by knockout mm-hmm. in China, and then came out now and beat Jacare in Rio. So I, I just feel as if right now for Kelvin Gastelum at 26 years old, he's demanding the title shot, and I think he deserves it, and I think he should get the nod between the winner of, of um, uh, Robert Whitaker and Yo I will say this much. I don't know who he fights right now. And if he doesn't get it, if he doesn't get that middleweight title shot at 26 years old, I say quit messing around at middleweight. Don't take any other fight. You either get the title shot or you go to the UFC PI Institute and start getting that weight cut in order and get back to welterweight. Stop wasting your time. He is an outside. Kelvin Gaslam is a perfect example of what I've always said about great fighters. And this is how I know he's a great fighter. He doesn't belong at middleweight. Look at him. You can look at his body and see that's not the division for him. No. But he is still competing at the highest level. I mean, he's in that top five of the middleweight division. I always said that if you're a great fighter, it doesn't matter about really what weight division you're in unless you get, you know, you're starting to fight people that's 30, 40 pounds heavier than you. Uh, Matt Serra is a great example. Matt Serra should have always been a lightweight with his body frame. And he has been at lightweight, but he fought at welterweight. BJ Penn was another one. You know, when you can go back and forth in divisions, Dan Henderson, I mean, we can go through it all. If you're a great fighter, you can compete at any division. But I do think Kelvin Gaslam is young enough. I, I was amazed to see he was only 26 years old. Yeah. That is crazy to me. And I think he either gets that title shot at 185 pounds or he gets back to welterweight. Stop wasting your time. Why, why waste your time anymore if you're not going to yeah, get the title shot? Yeah, because middleweight right now, it's a little murky. Yeah. Walterweight is too, but Walterweight at least he has a he would probably have a clearer path because you have Till coming up and then you have but like nobody even knows. There's an interim title fight coming. Nobody even knows who Woodley's fighting next. So it, I think, it, it has to be the winner. But actually I don't know. He stands a better chance to get the middleweight title shot, actually. No, he should it. be there's not many people coming up. Like the only guy I can and this is just me speaking right from the top of the dome. The only other middleweight I can think of right now that's coming up and he's just now starting to get tested is Paulo Costa. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't even know, like what they look like, especially with Luke Rockhold leaving. Mm-hmm. That puts a, like I said, that puts a. I big... think Weidman just needs a win. I, I think he just needs to get one win and he can get the title shot. Doesn't matter who the win is over. I just think his inactivity. I just. Well, I'm actually, if you think about it, if, if Weidman didn't get hurt, he possibly could have. He did get that win against Kelvin Gaslam a yeah. while ago. But I feel like what's right is Kelvin Gaslam. I just feel like he's been the more active fighter. In the uh, I think we gotta let it marinate a little bit because we're it's fresh off the fight too. We gotta see what this middleweight title fight does. We gotta see mm-hmm. how that plays out because it was a close first one. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Jacques Array? Oh, I don't know. I mean, any top ten guy. He beat Brunson. He just fights a guy that's up there, top ten. You, I mean, that was a big loss for him. Mm-hmm. It was a close fight. Some people thought he got it, but. And L is still an L, and a lot. And the, the the complaint is a lot of people think he looked old in that fight because he gassed. But it could have been a lot of things to it. He's claiming that was a weight cut mishap. Could have been, but I mean, he's just got to get back out. Or it there. could be he's turning thirty nine years old. Yeah, he's just he's just got to get himself back out there and just you know stay active and yeah, it could come his way. He was yeah because he got snubbed the title shot years ago. So, but then when he was almost to get one, he lost. So, but he's just got to. Just stay active, because you know how this sport is. 
things are crazy. He didn't. It's not like it's not like he lost much to 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 Gaslam. So you never know. Or if Weidman ever does come back, they could set up Weidman versus Jacare. I'd be down for that. But it's it all depends on how this division goes. Like I said, um, my my thing is if he just stays active, he'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's move on to the fight that was most talked about. The fight that was most hyped going into this Rio card. The fight... Now, I don't mean to like just berate the media, this whole podcast. But I'll tell you what, going into this event, they kept talking about how bad of an undercard this was. See, I did my research on the card because I like to, you know, I like to put my money on the... Where, you know, I like to put my money where my mouth is and I actually like to wager on the fights. I, I do it all the time. Um, and they were telling me that the undercard was bad. That it was not good at all. That literally came out of some people. I'm not going to call out names, but that came out of some of their mouths. Okay? But yet the number one fight they would talk about on this card was Mackenzie Dern versus Amanda Bobby Cooper. Now, I, when I did my research on this card, I thought this was an exciting card from top to bottom. But the one card that seemed kind of out of place here was Mackenzie Dern versus Amanda Bobby Cooper on the main card for pay-per-view. They're talking about the main card, but that was the most hyped fight on the main... I mean, the undercard, but that was the most hyped fight on the main card. Mm -hmm. Yet, that fight belonged on the undercard. Yes. I mean, we're talking about Mackenzie Dern, who's still young. This was, what, her seventh professional fight? Yeah, it was either sixth or seventh, yep. Amanda Bobby Cooper coming in. Her her, her record was three and three. Four and three. Four and three. So, this was her eighth professional fight. Mm -hmm. So, the lowest level of mixed martial arts competitively on this card was the most talked about fight. Makes sense for the media. That, like that makes said, a lot of sense. Hypocritical. And of course there was negativity as in, I called this last week. I think it was with you. It wasn't the other podcast. It was this one. I said to you the biggest story that's going to go into this week was Mackenzie Dern's weight. I almost guaranteed it that she was not going to make it or there was going to be a lot of trouble of her getting there. And what happened? She really exceeded my expectations because she came out and came in seven pounds overweight for her bout with Amanda Bobby Cooper. Now, do you agree that Amanda Bobby Cooper still should have accepted this fight and continue on fight night? A lot of times I think fighters should still take the fight. On this one, I wouldn't have been mad at all if she didn't take this fight. Mm-hmm. Seven pounds? Mm-hmm. When was the last time we... What was it, Rampage, the last person that missed by that much weight? No, it was actually the last time somebody lost by that much, where they were literally a weight class up, was Charles Oliveira versus Ricardo Lamas. Now, that was a true Cinderella story, though, because Ricardo Lamas was the one that came in 10 pounds under, Mm -hmm. and he actually finished Charles Oliveira. But in 2018 so far, everybody that has done their job and came in on weight, has lost to the opponent that has came in overweight. I think that's, a, that's just a freak stat right there. Because, like, last year, think about it, the big, one of the biggest fights, Kevin Lee came in overweight. Well, he ended up making weight, never mind. But he came yeah. in overweight for uh, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson ended up beating him. Yeah. But, you know, I think... But with, he made weight, and he was fighting staff. Yeah. He had staff. With, with that much weight difference, I wouldn't have been mad if Amanda Bobby Cooper would have not accepted that fight. Now, like, with the Leslie Smith thing, like, what was that, by a pound? Two pounds? That was a pound and a half. Yeah, like, I don't, I may, maybe because I'm not a fighter, I don't know how much you can balloon up. I, I just, me, like, scientifically, I'm like, okay, they come in a pound and a half overweight, like, how much more can they possibly balloon up? 
they were given a pass. The other person still had to make that. Look, it's it's weight. You have to make weight for a reason. Yeah. All right. No, I um, agree. Like, if you do your job and you make weight, like, you do have the right to say no. And even in 2017, more people that missed weight, it, it's it's a extreme number win over the people that make weight. There's only a couple instances. Now, this is getting out of control because John Dodson turned down a fight because his opponent didn't make weight. And I didn't, I didn't hate him at all for it. I, I didn't blame him. I'm not blaming these guys. I remember Will Brooks against Cowboy Oliveira. Cowboy Oliveira came in like five pounds overweight and obviously out-muscled him. Now, come fight night, I don't know how much the weight took advantage. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I thought um, Amanda Bobby Cooper should have been paid for showing up. And I think Mackenzie Dern should have got nothing. I thought she should have got nothing. Paid nothing? Because they shouldn't have allowed the fight. Oh, okay. that's what I think. I say you make that walk, you get paid something. Yeah, I, I just think that's too much. I'm not going to be the hardest on Mackenzie Dern. I mean, she has been fat shamed. I'll tell you this much by fans and, and, and looking whatever. at her and her body type with the weight that she came in. She does need to get her weight in check because I don't think she makes a good 125er. I do not see that. Mm-hmm. I do think she's supposed to be at 115, and I think she self admittedly admitted like, yeah, I got to change my diet. Mm-hmm. I don't think she just needs a nutritionist. I think the UFC needs to take fighters like this. With this new UFC Performance Institute, with this weight-cutting regimen, they need to get her there, and they need to figure this out. I mean, she's still young in her career. Everybody that's completely fat-shaming her and acting like this is the worst thing that ever happened are ludicrous because you're talking about that, but yet you're going war John Lineker and war Kelvin Gastelum on the main card. Two guys that are notorious for missing weight. And we're kicked out of their divisions and literally in different weight classes now. So I think this is the same situation. She's young in her career. I mean, remember, Henry Cejudo missed weight a few times yeah. until he finally got it right. This is a transition. This is, this is, I don't think Mackenzie Dern should be here on pay-per-view in this particular spot in her career. No, I think it's one of those things where she's still trying to figure stuff out. And I'll tell you where I was wrong last week. I didn't think her skills were going to be good enough that fast to come back. She took on a kind of a tougher opponent or even the same level like she, to take a fight back to back like that you know they say you know in between each when you're younger in your career you shouldn't be fighting so often and especially as her like if she's trying to learn striking you know i thought she would have to take more time off so she can learn new techniques because then they say essentially like when you take back to back fights like that you're just getting back in the training camp you're not learning anything new and uh she proved me wrong because she it was the right it was the right see i'm, I'm different on that I, I think the only way you get better is you got to keep fighting yeah, but you gotta I mean, test yourself with with how young she is in her career. It's obvious she needs to learn striking. Well, I'll tell I you know, what. and this is the only thing where I don't think the weight made that much of a difference. Unless that made her pack that much more of a punch, she didn't go out there and like put her weight on her and and smothered no. Amanda Bobby Cooper. I thought her skill was what won that fight on Saturday night, and she came out there and blasted her and showed a different side to her stand up that was better than we've ever seen, and. Other than the weight mishap, hopefully that gets under control. I do still, at the end of the day, feel like this is a fight that never should have happened. I think Amanda Bobby Cooper should have turned it down. I think fighters should get paid. If they come in on weight and the fighter comes in off of weight, unless it's like the main event and you got to sweeten that pot and get that thing still going because you need to put on a card, a fight like this on where it was at, I seriously think Amanda Bobby Cooper should have been paid her show money and that fight should have been scrapped. I I just think that was complete disadvantage on Bobby Cooper's part. When it's that much weight? Yeah. I mean, she was almost a whole weight class up. 
Mm-hmm. But moving on from that, John Lineker put on a very good fight with Brian Boom Kelleher and eventually got the knockout in the third round with only about, what, a minute and a half left? What a scrap. What a scrap. And, and the one thing I want to remember is I can't, couldn't believe this one either. I was first amazed by Kelvin Gastelum's age, but John Lineker is only 27 years old. Are you kidding me? Love that guy. He is definitely one of my favorite fighters. But, of course, we'll move on to the first fight of the night. As he put his gloves in the center of the octagon, Vitor Belfort got viciously knocked out by Lyoto Machida. I mean, this was a la Randy Couture style. So reminiscent of that fight. And Vitor claims that he is retired. He's going out. Do you believe him? Do you think he's going to... He, we officially saw the last time Vitor Belfort ever fighting in a mixed martial arts contest, or do you think we're going to see him again in the near future? It... It's Vitor. It's so bizarre how he did all this. Okay, first of all, he shows up to, what was it, the, the media day with Went the robe back. and the service dog. Mm -hmm. Like, it was all just bizarre to me. Um, and he looks like he's coming from a retirement home. Yeah, he... The he, transition of Vitor Belfort he's from just a few short years ago when he was on that, when he was TRT Belfort yeah. to now, to me... Is just scary. My thing is, I didn't expect him to look as jacked like back then, but he looks like he's, and I know he's he's a little bit older now. But he looks like he's considerably aged a lot. Um, I don't believe it is his last fight because uh, it's just so weird how Vitor says stuff. He says, you know, this is my last fight, but I'm not retiring. That yeah, makes weird. no sense. I mean, showing up in a robe and and and, and the fact that he has a full service dog doesn't make any sense either. The robe thing was actually kind of funny, but the full service dog is kind of weird. But no, I want to believe this is the last time we're going to see Vitor Belfort. I really do. I want to believe that. I think it should be. Is it going to be, though? I don't know, man. There's a lot of dirty money being thrown around out there. I mean, we're getting news that Chuck Liddell is officially out of retirement. And there's people pursuing him to fight Tito Ortiz, and they're actually going to pay him. A considerable amount of money. That means there is a lot of blood money to be thrown around in this sport still. And Vitor Belfort, and nobody's thinking about this, that's a potential matchup for Chuck Liddell. I know, I was just about to say that. Like, Vitor can fight at light heavyweight, and a lot of these old-timers that are still doing it, he could easily fight them. And I'm just like, come on, bro. I don't think Vitor needs the money anymore. The, the Vitor Belfort I just saw on Saturday night, I don't want to see that Vitor perform anymore. He has a legendary... Hall of Fame career. He's a true pioneer of this sport. We should be, I, I hope that we can just start celebrating his career because what we've seen of him lately in the past few years has not been good. Since that TRT has came off, it has not been a good road for Vitor Belfort. It has not. He has taken a lot of damage and I don't want to see him get hurt anymore. I hope for his sake and his family's sake, it's over. I would love to see that. Lyoto Machido did out, went out there and did exactly what I thought he was going to do. And that's the crazier thing. Lyoto Machida's older than Vitor Belfort, right? Yeah. And he looks so much younger. He considerably looks so much younger in that fight. It's just crazy. But, I mean, what a great undercard also. I mean, considering that we got Ezekiel Chokes, spinning stuff knockouts, and then Jack Hermanson's performance that we talked about earlier. UFC Rio truly was 
a fantastic card from top to bottom. It had it had a little bit of everything on it. I hope we fix this problem of the $65 price tag. Because this pay-per-view, along with the one they did in Australia earlier this year, 221, I believe from top to bottom were the two best cards I've seen so far this year, correct? Yeah. And probably the least amount of people watched them, right? I always, yeah. Well, I wish that this a card like this could be shown to more people because I feel like if you watch a night like this it is impossible to not fall in love with this sport it, it just is I mean we had a blast out there watching it at the bar but let's go on to what else happened on Saturday night on Saturday night Bellator 199 their last part of the first leg of their heavyweight Grand Prix Ryan Bader the unofficial light heavyweight title fight by the way just want to Correct you. Belfort is older than Machida. Oh, he is? Yeah, How old? He's 41 and Machida's 39. Oh, okay. Wow, he's 41 years old already. Yeah, hang him up. I didn't know he was that old. I thought him for up. some reason he was 38 or He looks 45. I thought Randy Couture looked younger than him at 48. Yeah. Okay, like, like let's hang it up. But we're moving on to Bellator now, where Vitor might end up soon, coincidentally. Ryan Bader in the unofficial light heavyweight title fight in the main event just disposes of King Mo. I mean, wow. How long did it take? 14 seconds? 15. 15 seconds. Knocked Mo out cold. And I'll tell you what, since Ryan Bader's moved to Bellator, he's looked better than ever. Ryan Bader is a true force. I don't know if it's just because the level of competition has gotten lower, with the exception of Phil Davis, but he's looked better than ever in Bellator. And I gotta say, I'm very, very intrigued with the next leg of this heavyweight tournament. I am very intrigued with the Ryan Bader versus Matt Mitrione fight. I like that fight. Actually, I love that fight. I'm really looking forward to that. And my question to you is, are you interested in this tournament yet? Like, what's your thoughts of it now, now that the first round has went by? My thing is, and I'll always say it, they didn't need the tournament to put on these fights mm -hmm. if this is what they wanted. They could have just said, Ryan Bader, we have no challenge. But if they didn't have the tournament format, do you believe people will be talking about it? I feel like there is starting to get some buzz over there in Bellator. No, I think people still talk about it regardless. If you booked Fedor versus Shao, people would talk regardless. Okay. Doesn't need the tournament format. Well, without the tournament format, do you think we would get Mitrione versus Bader? Possibly. If Mitrione was become... Because I still think Mitrione's already beaten Fedor. I still think... It will come down to Mitrione and Bader, who would have been their heavyweight champ anyway. And I think if Bader was still fighting a light heavyweight, Mitrione would have been their heavyweight champ. And they could have booked like a super fight, but they just take a weird tournament, and they, that's just a way of them doing it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you think about it, you have two heavyweights and two light heavy, one middleweight. But at this stage of the career, Shao Sonnen probably is better suited for light heavyweight. You have two heavyweights and two light heavyweights in a heavyweight tournament. So to me, it's like the tournament, they didn't need the tournament process. I don't think it's because it's a tournament. Is the reason. It's just they're getting fights that people, I guess, have some... Well, we'll see. We don't know the ratings for the Bader and Mo, And I don't know how well Mitrione and Bader does. It's not like these two guys are huge stars or anything. We know Fedor Shell is going to do well. They were smart. They put both fights on the same card. I think that's what personally. they're aiming for. I would hope so. Because having everything split up to me was just bizarre. I just hope they don't go to pay-per-view again. If they go to pay-per-view, it doesn't do that well. I think people will tune in 
to Fedor and Shell free. On pay-per-view, that's a different that's a different monster. That's not enough to do it. I disagree with you in one sense. I do think their tournament is actually starting to pan out a little bit, and I think because it is a tournament, I think it's creating a little bit more buzz than if it wasn't. And I think that's only because people are just interested to see who's going to win this thing. Especially since, essentially, this first round, the guys that, if, if you were Bellator, if you were Scott Coker, the guys you would want to win, the guys you would want to see advance, have advanced, right? I mean, if you could part. pick your dream scenario, Fedor knocking out Mir like that, that's really the big wild card, is we had a Fedor sighting in 2018. That's really the big thing. Yeah, because I don't think Mir versus Shell has And now same. you're getting Fedor versus Shell Sonnen, which I think is going to be a huge fight for them. Um, I think Ryan Bader, who's the most legit, you know, your light heavyweight champ has now moved on. And you didn't have to worry about the mess of King Mo beating Ryan Bader in a non-title fight at heavyweight. And then he's like the uncrowned light heavyweight champ. And then you have Matt Mitrione, who just looks better than Roy Nelson as of late. So, and they've, and as you've seen in the past, they've really put a lot of stock in Matt Mitrione on the Bellator product, right? Yeah. Like, they've really pushed him. He's a star for them. Like, that's the way they view him. They view him as one of their stars. I mean, not like the numbers aren't panning out for it. I mean, numbers haven't been great for him, but he really is essentially one of their top guys in their eyes. I mean, I feel like everybody they would want to win so far has won. And they're they're starting to get pretty, you know, a little bit of hype going in there. Um, but my biggest question is this weird thing with Bellator as of late. What is going on with Scott Coker and 50 Cent? What is happening here? Can you help me? I don't know what to make of it. I have my opinion, but I want to hear yours first. What do you think is going on with this 50 cent relationship with Scott Coker? I think they're trying, I think because they're not doing too well ratings wise and everything right now, they're trying to think of like different ways of drawing interest to the brand right now. Um, they tease that 50 cent could fight. I don't believe that. I don't believe 50 cent could at 42 years old. Do you no put it past them? I don't put it well. I saw Kimbo Slice versus Dada Five Thousand in their cage. So, and I saw Royce Gracie versus Ken Shamrock in two thousand. What was it? Two thousand seventeen, two thousand sixteen. That happened. Either way, it was a fifty-year-old and a fifty-one-year-old. So I don't put it past them. I don't put it past them to put anybody in that cage. I mean, we're getting Jack Swagger. Yeah. So I think there. I I don't think Fifty Cent is the type of guy that would just try to fight MMA. It would hurt his ego and his brand too much if he was to lose. I think it's like a co-promotion kind of thing. They're trying to, you know, draw interest. And it's no secret that 50 Cent's been trying to be a promoter. He was trying to be a boxing promoter as mm -hmm. well. So it makes sense he's trying to get a piece of the MMA pie as well. Maybe he sees something in Bellator that he can help and contribute and do better. But that's all I think it is. I think it's him helping promote fighters or Bellator some way or another. Yeah, I mean, I see the thing where he's doing the Jackson versus Jackson. Yeah. Um, him and Chandler going back and forth. Yeah. I don't want to put it past it. I mean, 50 Cent is in phenomenal shape, always has been. Does that mean he's in fighter shape? I was going to say, I is don't that MMA so. shape, though? because it would it be, But would it be the craziest thing I have seen? No, I mean, the UFC no. has CM Punk. Yeah. It, it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing as the Jack Swagger. I just don't believe where 50 Cent is at in his life that he's looking to step into the cage and fight another 
martial artist. I just don't. And yeah, I, I would think that. even if it was Rampage, even if it was Fat Rampage, Rampage is going to kill him. Nobody's, yeah, even Rampage at his worst, nobody's knocking Rampage out. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, this is, I really think this is some type of business. Maybe, maybe 50 Cent, he is an entrepreneur. 50 Cent is either trying to get his branding on Bellator or, you know, especially with sponsorship being an open field, or he's trying to get in there and maybe even buy part of Bellator. Yeah. You know, who knows what he's trying to do, but I do think this is a business relationship. You never know how much longer Viacom really wants to keep it. And with 50 Cent, I think what him and Scott Coker's been doing, I mean, they were sitting next to each other all all giggly all night at the fights. They, um, you know, this this wasn't the first time. It started with their their dinner where they were they would look like they were signing some sort of contract i think this is 100 percent business and it's a way for bellator to think outside the box and try to lure some new fans into the sport using the 50 cent name and how many follows he has on twitter yeah but i want to talk about the biggest thing coming out of bellator 199 and i still swear by this guy aaron pico he is phenomenal i genuinely still think he is a future world champion the guy looks every bit of incredible they really have gotten their money worth i still think he's going to take about one more year he just had his fourth professional fight if he can knock out one maybe two more fights by the end of this year i I still say he's going to fight for a title before his 10th fight and win it that that has been my prediction now if he gets one or two more fights in this year and it starts off with one next year is it crazy to see him by his eighth fight to potentially go for the title? In Bellator? No. It's not. But my thing is, like, I do believe he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Heck, I believe he could be great. But I don't know. We're watching a fighter that should be somewhere regionally getting a lot mm-hmm. of love. He should be on Bellator's undercard still. I know he's looked fantastic. He's having some knockout wins, but... They're against people. Veterans. There's, there's, they're veterans, but they're people I've never heard of. Yeah. So you know, to me, it's like, can you come up in Bellator and fight for a title mm-hmm. in a rather fast fashion? Probably. But uh, here's my thing right now with Aaron Pico. Now he's had four pro fights. I mean, this kid's he, he did the same thing in the wrestling world. He just was the best thing. He was the prototype. He was one of the best wrestlers they've ever seen at so young. He was just perfect. And so far, he's looking perfect with his hands and his wrestling. Thus far in his mixed martial arts career, I mean, his last three finishes have been things of beauty. I mean, they are gift-worthy. They are meme-worthy. I mean, they have been spectacular finishes. And he's in a division that has James Gallagher, who's also young, who has, uh, what's it, uh, A.J. McKee, who's also young. I mean, right now their champion is Pitbull. I don't think he's there yet. What's the What, what division is this? This is 145 pounds. Okay. But is he really that far off from getting in there with the A.J. McKees or the James Gallagher's? And do you really think he can't contend with them out off of what you've seen? If Bellator's smart because they all don't have a lot of experience yet, so they're coming up together. Mm-hmm. If they're smart, they'll just wait until those fights get put together. Not sooner. I mean, I would think in like a year. Get like two more fights. Let's not. We can't wait too long. And by the way, there's another free agent right now that Scott Cooker's talking about. This is just a potential. Another young man who's only 26 years old who could possibly be, who knows where he's going to end up. What about Yair Rodriguez? Now, this jumps right into our next segue. Yair Rodriguez 
has officially, from what Dana White said, been cut by the UFC. It's not official yet. They sent the paperwork, but I haven't read any. Well, this is what Dana said. Dana yeah. said he's going to take his act elsewhere. From Dana White's mouth, what yeah. we heard is he is cut. He's done. He can take his act elsewhere. First of all, like I'm pointing out here, Yair Rodriguez being added at 145-pound division in Bellator, good stuff. They have some good fighters over there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Combate Americas. There's 1FC. I don't know about Ryzen. I hear Ryzen's in a lot of trouble right now, so I'm not even going to talk never about Ryzen. Who even fights in Ryzen? I don't even know other than the freak Kyoji shows. Gucci. That's it, and that's only because he's from Japan. But what is your thoughts of Yair Rodriguez being cut from Dana White and the UFC organization because he first turned down a fight with Ricardo Lamas and then turned down the fight with Zabit Magomed Shapirov, then mocked the UFC by putting hashtag fake news when Dana White announced the fight between Yair and Zabit, and then Dana White coming back in true Dana White fashion saying, real news, you're out. What's your thoughts of the whole process? Do you think, who's wrong, who's right, and what are, what's going what's gonna to happen at the end of the day here in Somniac? At the end of the day, as I hear it, I don't know the true behind the scenes of what's going on. I do know this. If it was just the fact that he turned down Zabit, I'd have a problem with it. Because I'm sure a lot of people has turned down Zabit. Mm-hmm. Actually, before Zabit got booked against Bokniak, supposedly a lot of people turned him down. Him and Kamar Usman, from what I gather, are the two, and James Vick, are, are the most ducked fighters in the UFC yes. today. But when I found out he turned down Ricardo Lamas as well, I was like, mm, I think, and then openly mock the UFC about it. I'm thinking, I think it is time. And maybe he is going to be the example. But I think it's time UFC sends a message. Because there's a lot more turning down fights than people accepting fights anymore. Mm-hmm. And he would be the type of person that you make an example out of. Mm-hmm. I get it. Everybody's coming out saying, oh, he's young. He's you know, he's good for the Mexican market. He's mm-hmm. bilingual, this, that, and the other. But I'm like, at the end of the day, UFC did their part. They, He, before a lot of other fighters, got showcase fights. He had a showcase fight with BJ Penn. Mm-hmm. I know at the time, like, I thought that fight was crazy to be booked when it got booked as a main event. I was like, BJ Penn's going against this young kid. He hasn't looked great lately. I was like, this is just going to be a massacre. Mm-hmm. And now it's time that he lost to Frankie Yeager. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, he got put in there with Frankie Yeager too soon. But I'm like, who knows? At mm-hmm. that point, he was on like a four or five fight win streak. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally don't have a problem if he's turning down that many fights. And then he's going to openly mock the UFC about it. I think the UFC needs to send a, t- a tougher message and be like, you guys need to fight. Mm-hmm. And then here's my other side of this. Who, and people are like, oh, he has every reason to turn that down. Why, why would he fight Zabit after a year layoff? Who is Zabit supposed to fight? This guy's. I, I just saw he's actually ranked. But who is he supposed to fight? If they put Zabit in there with like a Frankie Yeager right now, everybody would complain about what happened in the year. Oh, he's not ready for this. Mm-hmm. They try to give him another ranked opponent, and everybody's like, oh, why, why, why would he take that fight mm-hmm. after he got beat by Frankie Yeager? This is media, by the way. Yeah, and this I'm is like, media. who is Zabit supposed to fight? My biggest complaint about this is that this is, again, the media. And actually, the media hasn't been tearing this one up as much as I thought. There hasn't been a big outrage about this one as I thought there was going to be. I think be. there was a first, but when they find out that, you know, he turned down Llamas My whole well, thing is, like, I'm tired of these softballs being thrown at people. I'm tired of these, what, showcase fights. What, do we want another situation like MVP over in Bellator? 
Yeah. Where he's he where their most stacked division is welterweight, and he's still fighting nothing but lightweights and boxing organ and boxing matches against like what two and sixteen fighters. Yeah. Like what is going on there? Like no, this is not what I want. Yair Rodriguez is signed with the UFC. Okay, he is a UFC fighter. Yes, he did just come off a devastating loss to Frankie Edgar. I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff either. There might be money issues involved with this. Who knows what's going the on? The other thing I think I don't think Yair yeah, is that cheap. Um, I don't think there's anything. I don't know everything behind closed doors, so I can't speak for nobody. Maybe there's a both of them are clashing and they're just not getting along. This is this is the the the, the worker disgruntled worker against the bosses. You know what I mean? But you're in the UFC, okay? You're at the top level. If at this point in your career. First, you turn down Ricardo Lamas. Yes, very dangerous fight, very reminiscent of Frankie Edgar, a veteran who's been around for a long time. Who's coming off a loss, by the way. And you're twenty, you're twenty-five years old. Maybe you don't want that fight because of what just happened to you. I get that, but then you go and they offer you another fight in Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Okay, this is where I have the problem. You got away with the Ricardo Lamas one. But here's where the numbers match up. Yair Rodriguez is ten and two. He's six and one in the UFC. He's five foot eleven inches tall, and he's twenty five years old. Zabit Magomed Sharipov is fifteen and one. He's three and zero in the UFC. He's six foot tall, and he's twenty seven years old. You guys are on the exact same wavelength as far as where you are in your UFC career. Correct? Two mm-hmm. young, up and coming, exciting promising fighters and as a fan when that fight first got booked by dana white i think you said it to me on this podcast i did i was super excited and i was in i thought it was a main event and you told me it was just another fight added to 227 i thought it was a main event somewhere that is a fantastic fight and if you're not ready for a fight like zabit if you're turning him down because you think he's too tough and you're trying to salvage your career then you know what maybe you shouldn't be in the ufc yet you know, in the UFC, there is no softballs. There is no tune-up fights. <coughs> they are very hard to come by in the UFC's system. Mm-hmm. You're getting the legit fight. If you're turning down fights like this, maybe you should go to Combat to Americas. Maybe you should go to Bellator. Maybe you should go to... Maybe you're not ready for the big time yet. Because in three years, if you're the champion... And you're gonna start turning down fights because you lost one or something, and and you're not, you don't feel like you're ready, then maybe you shouldn't be there at all. And and this is a message being sent by the UFC. At the end of the day, we don't know if it's 100% official if he's gone yet. We've seen stuff like this happen in the past. I remember in the past when it was like John Fitch and the whole AKA team when Dana got mad and said they're all getting cut, and then cooler heads prevailed. I'm waiting to see how this plays out in a couple days to see where we're at on this. But as of right now, Yair Rodriguez might be going somewhere else. And to Yair's credit, though, I mean, I'm not happy he's not fighting Zabit or Ricardo Lamas because I think they both sound like very, very exciting fights. And as a fan, I would love to see that. But I'm still a fan of Yair. And I do feel like he's a must-see mixed martial artist. And wherever he goes, I'm still going to watch. Right? I mean, he does bolster anything because of his exciting, flashy style. Yeah, I think he would be best fit in Combate Americas if he wasn't in UFC. Mm-hmm. That huge Mexican audience, I think he would get really popular there. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see. I hope it all works out, and I hope he stays in the UFC. And somehow I hope this all gets washed away, and we're seeing Yair Rodriguez versus Abit Magomed Sharipov. Because as a fan, and we're allowed to talk like this as a fan, right? Mm -hmm. That is a fantastic matchup. Who doesn't want that? How are you siding with that year that you think he shouldn't take that fight? That fight makes too much sense right now. The two young phenoms at 145 colliding to see who's going to take that step up the ladder. I think it's a perfect collision course. I hope they get this thing done. Please, MMA gods, give us something. But the other thing I wanted to talk about was 1FC's new app. Their new app is fantastic. I, I really recommend you downloading it. Before, it was hard to stream their events because they are so far away. It was so confusing. I downloaded this app. I watched their whole show last week in Indonesia perfectly. Perfectly. It was pretty good. I mean, it was a little different. They actually have a men's strawweight division. And the Makes main sense. and co-main was 115-pound men. Where, where, are they, where are they based out of? They're in Asia. In Asia? Yeah, a lot of small men are typically smaller they also have part. a woman's 105 pound division yeah. now when i was watching this i was still considering if they're ever do you think the ufc will ever get into the 115 pound men's division no and the 105 pound women's division possibly women's i'm surprised they got into the 145 i would have seen the ufc getting but it's only because of cyborg i would i would have seen the ufc getting into the 105 pound women's division before the 145 pound division or what about and, bellator maybe who knows but um, the UFC with the men's 115-pound division, I think they wanted that at one time. But because of flyweight doesn't do so well, I don't think they're going down that road. Yeah, I don't see it either. I'm and really not it, it hinges on the UFC hasn't taken off in, in Asia. Like Asia like you know, they I read a they report would. that they're thinking about building a UFC Performance Institute in China. I can see that because with you saying with 1FC being so popular, mm -hmm. I think they really want to get over there. They've tried. They've tried Ultimate Fighter. They've tried, you know, holding shows and stuff. They just, they're just not finding it. The talent just isn't there. They've signed some guys from that region. I also think in some of those regions, I think a lot of the hometown fighters want to stick to their roots. You know, I the think, Asians want to fight for an Asian promotion. Yeah, I think that as well. But even with a lot of the, the, the people that UFC signed, they're just, they just don't pan out. They've yet to really have a superstar from Asia. Korean Zombie is like the, the closest thing to it. Yeah. Duho Choi was close to it, but you see when they get near the top, they get beat. They just haven't had that chance. Well, Korean Zombie can get back to the top. He can, but he, I don't know. I mean, it's just his injuries. Yeah. Well, he had the two-year military service and then a big injury coming back after the uh, Dennis Bermudez fight. It was Yeah. So it, it's hard to say with him, like... They just haven't had their star yet. And mm -hmm. I, I can see them keep wanting to bang their head because they see how popular it is over there. But whatever it is, they're just not connecting there yet. And I think that's when they would have brought in a 115-pound men's division mm -hmm. because they, they could have found – they could easily find fighters from there. Or just make the 115-pound fighters fight at 125. I mean, that guy Muddy Mouse needs talent to fight. He yeah, and I think fighters. they would. But, like, there's just not – I mean – there's just not much interest in 125. Let's face it. We've had the most dominant champ there's ever been at that division. And just, it just doesn't strum up the interest. It's hard It's hard to go to bat for it. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. it's, hard to, it's, hard to, it's hard for us out here to be like, well, this is why you should. If 125, they've yet to... I don't even think they've made money off that division. They've probably made money off of every division in the UFC before. Except 125. Maybe the Demetrius Johnson paper. Men made and a little women bit of so money. Far, yeah. yeah. 
Well, women, there's only been one title fight. It's that coming. division's just yeah. starting. It's where Mackenzie Dern should be. No, nah, I don't think so. You think she's going to work it out? You think she's going to get the 115? When, to me, when I saw that fight last Saturday and I saw her body frame, it didn't look like somebody that was in great shape. So her adding 10 pounds doesn't do her any favors. I think she needs to get her diet correct, and I think the, the weight class she should be at is 115. Well, speaking of a rising star in combat sports, ESPN put on for free on their network. And from what I'm reading so far, I don't have the exact numbers, but I heard it was great ratings. Vasily Lomachenko battled Jorge Linares in the main event at Madison Square Garden for the lightweight title, and Lomachenko became the youngest ever three-time world champion in three different divisions. Or three, he's the first champion to win, a, a first guy to win a championship in three different weight classes at his age. He's the youngest to ever do it. And I know you said you haven't seen that fight yet, but Sean, when you get a chance, give it a watch. Watch it. It was a fantastic back-and-forth battle. Linares actually knocked Lomachenko down halfway through that fight. And then Lomachenko came back. His his striking is something special and, and, and something to be seen. Boxing really does have the next superstar on the cusp with Vasily Lomachenko coming out soon. He is Floyd Mayweather's replacement, Canelo's replacement. I do think he's going to get to the top of the boxing world. And it's pretty exciting to watch him do that. He, he is must-see TV. I really recommend it for you. So what are we watching this weekend? Well, you got UFC Chile. Is Bellator on this weekend? No. No? Next weekend. So I guess, it, is next weekend the Bellator 200? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll have some good Which stuff. has always made me crazy why Paul Daly fought on this card at 199, oh, so, and MVP so, so is next, fighting. Not this weekend, but next weekend. It's all European flair, huh? Yeah. Everything's going on in Europe. UFC did that to Counter-Strike. They sold out Liverpool yeah. to prove a point, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's a big fight. Till vs. Wonderboy is a big fight. Yeah, let's looking, not go too far. Yeah. That's that's next week for us to talk about. This week, let's stick to the main event in Chile. I'm actually surprised that Kamaru Usman is still fighting in the main event. That is the guy. It took the UFC going rounds till Santiago Ponzinibbio was the only guy that says, yes, I will fight this man. As they said, everybody else was turning him down. And then when Santiago Ponzinibbio went out, I was like... Well, looks like Usman isn't fighting. But then they gave Damian Maya, the old dog, a call. And he's taking this fight on a couple weeks' notice. It's perfect for a market standpoint, as Brazil is in South America, not too far from home. He is now main eventing Chile in the main event against Kamaru Usman. What is your thoughts on this fight? Does it excite me as a mixed martial arts fan? Not really, because we've seen Kamaru. But you never know how it's going to go, first of all. You never know how the fight's going to go. This, Because they do have such good ground pedigrees between the both of them, it, it might turn into like a sloppy kickboxing match, for all we know. To be honest with you, if I was Kamaru Usman, you know, I was, he was originally scheduled to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio, mm -hmm. which was an exciting fight for two up-and-comers. That was the fight I was looking more forward to. Yeah. I love that fight. Now... He gets a higher ranked guy. Yeah. So if I if I'm him, I'm like, oh, good. I still get a main event. I get a higher ranked guy. So for him, it works out really, yeah. really well. Now, as far as the fight it goes, do I get like, am I overly excited to watch this? It's interesting, like the ground game of Damian Maya. The rankings are there, huh? Yes, and I also look at it as a point like if you see the the betting lines. Usman's a 4-1 to favorite. Now, I don't know why he'd be a 4-1 to favorite because he hasn't fought somebody that highly ranked yet. 
And not only that, but maybe it's because Damian Maia is stepping in on short notice, so they're thinking they don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. Pop the brakes here for a second. Damian Maia doesn't lose very often, so if Usman goes out there and beats him, that's going to be very impressive. Yeah. But I can't believe the betting lines are that much favored for Usman. So I'll, I'm going to watch it. Um, I'm not going to say the fight doesn't like set the world on fire to me or nothing like that, but I think it's a good replacement. It's the best they could come up with mm -hmm. to keep the integrity of the main event. Mm -hmm. Too bad they couldn't find. I honestly thought when, when you said like how everybody's been talking, I thought they were going to get some local guy to step yeah. in and fight him and like bump up Tatiana Suarez versus uh, Alexa Grasso or something to the mm -hmm. main event. But... You know, good for them. They still it it is a meaningful fight. It's a it's a highly ranked welterweight fight. So I say good for Kamaru Usman. He deserves it. He's been the silent, deadly assassin in that welterweight division. He's just steadily climbing the ranks. He's beaten good names. And he's on what, like a six fight win streak? Seven fight win streak? Yeah. I mean, just good stuff. Uh, and also, what about Damian Maya? This is what Damian Maya always does, right? This is one of those fights that Damian Maya sneaks in there and could get the win and be relevant again in the welterweight division because that seems to be what Damian Maya does and if this thing goes to the ground where Usman usually likes to fight there's always a shot that Damian Maya can take over and sneak a submission in my interest level is probably at about a seven for this fight it's not like a usual main event but the night of fights in general is pretty good it's it's fair it's a free fight night you can't complain about that just have a drink, sit back, watch, and hope you get some awesomeness. And the main card is not that bad. I am going to say my spotlight fighter is in the light heavyweight division. God, we don't say that often, do we? No. We do not say that often. Who is fighting in the light heavyweight division on Saturday, Sean? Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes, and who is he fighting? Jared Can Cannoneer. Yeah, Cannoneer. Cool. Yeah, I was about fight. to say, I have a hard time absolutely fantastic fight perfect matchmaking i think that is the fight to watch i think it's got a lot of interest especially if dominic reyes can pick up another victory i think we have a tr a real potential contender at light heavyweight on our hands we could and also on this weekend on doc for combat sports i gotta say one championship is having an event like I said, download the app if you can't, you know, if you want to get some extra mixed martial arts in your life. Unstoppable Dreams is the name of their event. Their their dime piece, Angela Lee, their woman's champion, is fighting Mei Yamaguchi, and Martin Nguyen is fighting Christian Lee. Shinny Aoki's on the card, Edward Foliang. I say give it a shot. A lot going on in the combat sports world. It's hard to top what happened last weekend, but we'll see what happens. Sean, is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I got nothing. I think we covered everything. All right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your weekend. Watch the fights. I am Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. That is Sean Newbauer at MMA Insomniacs. Enjoy the fights, and please, don't drink and drive.